The Sample Axis, administered by Boyga Nelson. Yeah, let me try that. Hey everyone, thank you again for joining the Sample Axis podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about samples. My name is Boyga Nelson is here. Yeah, Nelson, the main man. You know what it is? It's episode 51. I know we did something special with episode 50, you know, where we did something amazingly great. But this time, uh, we're doing something more special because we have with us today uh, on the podcast, the West African GOAT. Yes, when I mean the West African GOAT, we're talking about payback, Iboro. But, you know, I don't want to talk too much. I want to be chilled and relaxed because yeah. we're about to have a conversation. Yes, indeed. Uh, payback is special to the culture in very many ways and people will find out in this interview hopefully those who don't know yet will find find out and uh, you know uh just for a background uh, for those who don't know payback has been in the game for well over 10 years very notable projects that i know of i know he has dropped close to 10 projects but i'm very familiar with only about three of them we'll get into all of that but let's welcome payback to the interview thank you for joining us payback thank you for having me man what happened on episode 50 Okay, so we did uh, 50 special songs. The way the podcast is set up, we talk about songs that were sampled. Nigerian songs, for instance, they sample a lot from okay. yesteryears. So we touch on those songs. So we took a break from sampling and we talked about some 50 special songs across the world. So we had some Nigerian songs. We also had some, you know, when you talk the 50 special songs that come to mind, you will talk about people like Michael Jackson, obviously. Uh, from Nigeria, okay. we had uh, this man, uh, Majek Fashek. The, the biggest people that you know okay. who make music across the world, dead or alive, we picked 50. So I will send you that okay, link okay. when we're done. Just to begin, oh, yeah. who are your top five greatest artists of the world, for instance, of all time? Artists. Did you say artists? Yeah, artists generally. Musicians. Yeah, musicians. Okay. Top five. Top five. This is a no... No standard. You pick the standard. Say. Yeah, no order, that's what I'm saying. No particular oh, okay. order, but I have to say, I'll say, this is hard as fuck, though, but I'll say Kendrick, Kanye, Beatles. Did you say Beatles? I didn't oh, say no. Beatles. Beatles, the Beatles, oh, yeah? Beatles, okay. Beatles, yeah. Yeah, Devs, Devs, Devs. Kendrick, Kanye, Beatles. I don't, the last two spots are, is a toss-up between Stella, Bob Marley, and... Oh, yeah? I think probably Michael. Fair deal. Why is there no women? Yeah. What? what? <laughs> <laughs> it's like you put him on the spot. Of course, there's no way you could have planned that. But yeah, it doesn't have to be a woman. No, yeah. no, no. But of course, have to be of, woman, of course, yeah. We just, you know, we, we feel you. Think, we and, think top five, yeah. you know, like. And the rap bias is there, okay. right? Of course, the rap bias has to be there now. Yeah, I feel you. Definitely. So let's get to it. Uh, yeah. We'd like to know about your background. So I was listening to the Cult album and you talk about, uh, there's this song that I really love. I can't really remember the title, but you, uh, Niger Delta Boy, Lagos City Boy, West African boy, so you represent those cultures heavily. I'd like to know yeah. what it was like for you growing up. I, I know you grew up in Lagos, but you're also Niger Deltan. So tell me how you connect your childhood to who you are right now. I I was born in Lagos, like the early 90s. But my folks are from Akwaibon. But my father was like, I think he was very insistent on how good our English was. Mm. How good, basically, how good our education was, but I think it filtered into our English a lot. And so I wasn't, I wasn't opportune to be on my language a lot as I was a kid. So okay. A lot of me, I didn't find as a Niger better person with stuff. I, like you said, I did on my own and me looking up by myself, trying to learn little things about the culture. Mm. 
But mostly I'm, I'm Lagos I mean, boy. Most people would see me more as a Lagos boy, yeah. Yeah. What's that like? Uh, what particular area of Lagos is it? Festac is it? And what what was it about growing up in that part? I grew up in like four places in Lagos. I grew up in Festac, Satellite, Okota, and Ejibo. Not Ejibo, but it's around the Ejibo side. This place is called Bokna. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like it wasn't like one place. It was like a whole set of places. Is it this? And then we started out, when I started out, when I was born, my father had a lot of money. And then before I got to like my, when I was like seven or eight, everything kind of cast down. So it was like we moved from the highbrow areas to the more, progressively more ghetto areas. I've been shaped by, I think, all the different classes in, that we have in Lagos. You have lived all the different kind of lives in Lagos. So basically, you're like a full-blown Lagos boy. Yeah. Now, I saw somewhere that you started rapping from age six. Now, I don't. I, I, I need you to confirm that for me, really. <laughs> Where did you see that? And I saw yeah. it on one of those blogs. Let me put blogs so that I cover their name up. Okay. And, and they wrote that uh, <laughs> the payback started rapping from age six. And I'm like, whoa. First and foremost, you need to confirm that yes or yes. <laughs> I was introduced to rap at six. Age six. Yeah, I was introduced when I started writing by myself. It was probably like 2003, 2004. Oh, wow. That was the first time I think I ever started to write my little But I was introduced to rapping at age six. My sister had this little Walkman she used to use to, like, she used to write down the lyrics to the song. Like, she would play a line, write it down, rewind it to make sure it's correct, then listen to the next line. And I was very intrigued by what she was doing that day. I just started to for like an afternoon. It was, it was like a, it was like my boot camp, so to speak. And since then, I kind of just really liked it. But I never thought about writing to like 2003 or 2004. I think it's 2004. Oh, all right. So yeah. basically what you were doing most of the time before 2004 was listening and learning one way or the other. Yeah. And um, I think a lot of artists have this same thing. It's, a lot of times as kids, you find yourself fucking with other people's lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Like tweaking it a little bit. Yeah. So that's, I think, from age six to age, I think, 14, that's what I was doing. Oh, Just fucking right. around with stuff and stuff. I started writing my own. Yeah. All right, great. So um, still on that line, you know, being on the fact that you, you said you started listening from age six all the way to like 13 before you started putting pen to paper. Um, let's talk about your music um, influences. When we're talking about music influences, we know... I mean, if, if I'm, I'm trying to just, you know, pick your brain right now and go back to, like, 97, if I'm going to take a wild guess, I'll be seeing people like, you know, Warren mm. G or, you know, Naughty by Nature, maybe Black Street, maybe, and a couple of, you know, the, the big guys then, like Puff Daddy and his team, that's them bad boys. So just tell us a little bit about your music influences uh, from 6 to 13 and 13 to this point. Six to thirteen. You have to you have to remember six year old in Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm, state, like, yeah, that's why I said like not yeah, so much. There. Just all the way down. You know, I'm sure you remember one or two that you yeah. really liked listening to a lot. No, of course, of course. Because what I, I just wanted to point out that like a six year old child in Lagos is not largely in control of the music he listens to. Yeah, true. Especially in the nineties, yeah. I was mostly listening to what my sister was listening to. Luckily for me, I had a sister who liked rap. Like rap, sorry. So, like, in the midst of all the Westlife and the Backstreet Boys and the Shannon Dion and all the, like, the pop 
suffered in ITC. Like this, and play like Tupac. The Tupac and Biggie were really like the biggest ones. Then Nas, then there was the one or two Naughty by Nature songs. There was, then I think towards the end of the 90s, when I want to have people like DMX, um, Eminem, I guess, CJZ Nas. It's, I think mostly until I really started listening to music for myself as like a teenager, I was exposed more to I mean anything you could things you could see. I just I was more attentive. So the one song I would watch it like I'd be over the song with like a microscope. That's just the main. I think I've, I have like an obsessive kind of character. So. It's not like I was listening to a vastly different type of music than what every other person was listening to. Yeah. So because of how obsessed I get, so I was, yeah, because of how obsessed I get, I started almost like breaking every single song, every single video, every single rap, every single thing that I had. I remember when, I remember listening to this song, I don't know if you remember it, um, Drew Hill and Jarrell. Yeah, Drew Hill and Jarrell. What's the, what's the name of that song again? Um... Oh. oh my everything. Yeah, yeah. Cisco oh, Cisco took the, the chorus, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that song is lost in the fog of my childhood. But oh no, that's OG that's OG status. OG status, yeah, he took yeah, it's lost it's lost in the fog of my childhood, but whenever I remember I remember like it's like I don't know, like I remember that Jawu very much. I remember the hypnotized video, I remember Yeah. Ay, 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 I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> He's an Akon. Are you, are you, did, did you did you mess with Akon at all? Like, did you like his sound? Was it somebody you you Akon. know you enjoyed listening to? Akon was later though. Akon yeah, was yeah, yeah. Akon, Akon was like mid mid 2000s. Yeah, like 05, 05, 06, Yeah, under era. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, you exactly. you sound a lot like you you really listen to more. I don't know if this is right. More American music because you connect so much to it from your interviews that I've seen. And from the way you talk, were you listening to Nigerian shit that around those times? No, I wasn't. At all. <laughs> so like there was no, there was yeah, no like. I wasn't. I for, for example, now I know that um, the early two thousands we had people like uh, tribesmen. You know, they were trying to bring in the rap yeah. theme. Did you did you ever get to mess with any of that? I remember there was a time where you know the tribe where they had you know two shorts, yeah. uh, Doctor C, had like nine people. Yeah. yeah, and everybody was going hard on hard on yeah. bars like that. And yeah, I think uh, you have to first go back to like the um, plantation boys. I don't think it's possible to have escaped plantation boys. <laughs> yeah, true, true. I'm just I'm trying to stick to the yeah. rap thing so we don't you know digress too much of the rap okay, rap yeah. guys. Man, this guy was a rapper now. What did, what did he call him? Blackface. What do you call this fucking guy? Blackface. Blackface, yeah. yeah. All of all of it is in all of it to me is in the same pot. Oh, all yeah. in the same pot. And I did listen to Nigerian music. It's just like I said, I didn't have I wasn't in control of what I listened to. Let's just push it forward and talk about what it is today and I'm just going to segue into hip hop, Nigerian hip hop right now and what you are about. You seem very not seem, you are very passionate about Nigerian hip hop i see it in your tweets of course the music 
talks about it. What what's your deal? Yeah. What's your what's your agreement or what's the unofficial agreement you you have with surviving or reviving Nigerian hip hop or at least creating a new maybe a new culture just to have something that we can call in 10 20 years time original Nigerian hip hop. I think that's basically wrapped it up in a tight bow, man. That's really what I want to do. I just want to add like a new a new thread to the fabric of what is possible for a Nigerian artist as a whole and then as a Nigerian hip hop artist. Mm. I'm trying to um as you see I, I experiment a lot with a lot of different types of shit. Yeah. I'm trying to find a way to still a way to find to create something new, still have fun while still being under the umbrella that I found myself under. Yeah. So let's talk about your bodies of work here. Yeah? Uh the one I'm familiar with, uh the earliest is the biggest tree which is my newfound, yeah. you know, one of the things I've been yeah. listening to lately, preparing for this interview, and generally just trying yeah. to catch up. Uh, Bush Bungalow, yeah. uh, Help Me, uh, songs yeah. like uh, yeah. The Month End Song, yeah. Naira To My Name. Again, you yeah. talk about money a lot, but let's talk about your projects and what you aim to... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, money in all my pockets, I'll get to courts in a bit, but... The biggest tree, yeah. this was 20, I don't know what year exactly, but what space were you in at that time? What was it meant to do? What does it represent in your bodies of work as an album or as a project? Okay, so I put out I put out the album, the biggest thing, February 2018. Okay. I put out the first single for the album in January 2017. Okay. And I think I've probably been, been working on it. Like the earliest beat I had, the beat for Help Me, I got 2013. Probably like five years before the album. 2013. Oh, five years. I couldn't remember it when I started. You know, it doesn't jump. It's very, like, an example of a haunting ghost type. Yeah. I couldn't remember it when I first heard it. I just kind of left it with other stuff. Yeah. So, but, like, the headspace is like, is like, how do I explain it? Look look at songs like, a song about suicide, uh yeah. demons this you always talk about demons and I, I don't know does that connect in any way yeah. to what you were feeling at the time yeah that's that's what i was going to i was going to a period of like a depression i would say yeah a dark period of depression and um so from like that 2013 to like 2019 was there was a lot of i think that struggle or strife hmm. is the way i would say it and i was very suicidal at that point hmm. Yeah, and so the challenge was to want to make one body of work at least before anything happens, before I check out or whatever. To make one the body of work. That would be solid and um, represent your thoughts. That would be solid, represent, yeah. But two was also to make sure it wasn't too sad. Yeah. Because like the album is a very depressed album, but a lot of the songs sound... Hyped. Like mountain like, song. Yeah, they sound a little bit... Yeah. Almost like that theme of the dog in the house called like the burning house. Mm. The dog is that my that was my ideology was and at that point in time nobody was really talking about like depression or anything like that. Yeah. I was like the biggest thing is supposed to be like a beacon or like it's like a challenge to myself, I think. Mm. To be as big as I can possibly be with the little that the small little life that I I believe that I had at that point. I was afraid something that was much bigger than myself. 
Mm. At least, even if I had to go, it would, no, it would be like I at least represented something. I represented Pope, I think. That's why the song ends the best day of my life. Yeah, featuring Bella. Like, yeah, basically trying to speak positivity into... You said something about, you know, dropping one big one and before hoping that check out maybe check out but like hoping for the best and all now um do you feel like any which ways the the biggest tree helped you to you know give you some sort of positivity like after the the album dropped you could feel like yeah you expressed yourself was there was there a difference in like your your thoughts and moving forward because i want to get i'm about to get into the classic and i and i want us to be on a you know hyped mode getting into that I think it was more like therapy. Yeah. Because a lot of times you don't really understand completely what's happening to you unless you're able to talk it out. For real. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. perfect yeah. sense. You were talking to the music. Yeah, so, yeah, I was talking through the music to myself and in a way, it, it's like it helped me play the, co- the cobwebs. And, yeah. Yeah. I could, yeah. I how, to, how are you feeling five years after that? 2018 is four years. How did you... How did life come, 2019, 2020, and all of that? I like to guess that it felt better and you were in a much better position, obviously. Uh, it's always it's always a good decision to face your fears. Your demons. Yeah, it's always a good, it's always the better decision to face your demons and to run from them. So I think after that, uh, you and Boogie went in on alternate ending. I want to be sure this was 2019, right? Yeah, that was 29. I put out an EP with Charlie in late 2018, but then the next big project was Alternate Ending. Uh, talk, please talk briefly about that EP. I don't know about it. Just just give us a mention on what it was. Okay, it's, it's called Autopilot. Okay. It's under Payback and Charlie X. Okay, yeah, Charlie uh, X. It was, yeah, it was like, I think after the biggest, it was like kind of play. The listen to it is very carefree. Sounds very, very carefree. Playful, yeah. It's almost like, yeah, it's almost like what I was trying to achieve. I achieved it. Mm. What I was trying to, yeah. The EP itself is, is more carefree. Mm. There's less of his aim at structure, and it was just about having fun. So alternate ending, just before we get to that, I, I'd like to know how you connect to the people that you connect to. So in your circle... I know a few of your favorite people to work with. I'd like to believe Boogie and 30 are two of those. And then generally, you are involved with a lot of people, Black Intelligence, uh, Charlie X, like you mentioned, um, Bella. There is a lady, Vivian, on, on, on the Cult album. There is... Oh, yeah. I'm sure you and Black Bones have done one or two together. Uh, the, the song, What's Aside uh yeah, yeah barely any hook the people that you work with and that are in your circle alpha or genie how do you guys connect is it like mutual friends connecting each other or who are your what's your small circle looking like i think most times when i've ever worked with anybody usually just based on respect for the craft mm. yeah it has to be something i couldn't have brought by myself yeah mm, fresh so does that mean people you are not working with are not exactly i don't know i don't know how to break this down but look at the mainstream nigerian music do you try to reach out is it like you don't find people on your wavelength in those circles or is it business related i think as far as collaborations with mainstream nigerian industry it's more 
business and political and anything. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. yeah. Facts. So let's talk about uh alternate ending boogie uh and then I, I've forgotten the name of the producer who did the most on that. Is that black intelligence or what was it like putting that together? That's a heavy album and, and that stands up right there yeah. when it comes to Nigerian hip hop classic albums, if I do yeah. say so. Uh Boogie went in, you went in as well. I think my favorite would be Hard to Kill. Yeah, that's a sick yeah, song. Yeah, I love that. I love that shit, man. I love it. I that's love it so dope. Tell me your perception of the album after it's done and, you know, the work that you put in. How do you praise yourself doing some legendary thing like that? Okay, so first of all, the producers that worked on it are Paliet, Sizu Pro, and Black Intelligence. Okay. David. So it was like, it was almost like, it was like a school project, sort of. Mm. They were like, they bounced ideas off each other. A lot of times the songs came with ideas already. I like to say me and Boogie, we played like the in the creation of the project. All we had to do was just like that. The engineers had to really create like the whole soundscape, the whole world, the whole... Charlie did a lot of this shit and like the whole idea, it wasn't like just me and Boogie just rapping and being bad guys or whatever. It was like a, like a class project basically. It wasn't just... In fact, it was, it's almost like um, I was kind of opportune to be in the moment. It wasn't Anything I can take credit for. Yeah. Solid. So it's a it's a collaborative effort from not just one yeah, or two people. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. It wasn't the all six of us. So let's talk about cults now. Uh this is like the elephant in the room. Yeah, right. Uh <laughs> Nelson, by the way, we were recording one of those episodes and I was telling Nelson that the cult album should be made into some kind of NFT. Yeah. Cult, cultural NFT. And be kept in the Nigerian museum because of what it represents. So, yeah. uh, I would let him uh, ask whatever question he has before I go in. All right, yeah. Um, like he said, I didn't know about the cult album before that time. Yeah. So he said we had yeah. to create an NFT for this. Like it was that good, and I was like, ah, what is it? What, what is it about this album? And I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to start my research properly and I'm going to listen to this album. And I have to tell you, great album. Like, really, when I mean great album, I mean up there, you know, you. best of Thank the best. You. No no cappings, not, it's that good. And well, the very first... I put, I put my foot in the album for yeah. Right? yeah, 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 you did, you did. And I was telling him something that he doesn't agree completely with. And I feel like you might help us in this uh, position because this is more or less like a, a question and at the same time, a conversation. A conversation. So I said, I felt okay. like um, Cult was not just a rap album. I felt like it was a cultural album. Uh, it was an album that yeah. showed how more much how much you are as a person, like apart from being a rap artist, you know, you said something in one of your interviews, I don't know whether you remember the one with Bazzini in um, 2020, like did in me 2020, where you're talking yeah. about um, artists like Drake, you know, being in different forms. And you were saying that you yeah. enjoyed that kind of thing. And I said, I told him, this yeah. particular album shows payback in, a, in different forms. Like you were everybody in that album. You were Drake, you were Nas, yeah. you were B.I.G. And... I felt like, you know, you were not just, that was not, it's not a, I don't think you should be put in like rap album. No, it should be sort of like album of the year space. So I need you to, I need you to explain. Yeah. Is it, do you feel like it was just a rap album or you're trying to show yourself musically? I have a, like most of what I listen to isn't like just rap. I listen to a whole lot of things. I listen to like, like I said, Beatles are like one of my favorite acts. 
ever. The, the titling, so we talk about songs like Nigerian Dream with the Cardi B sample. Um, talk about sound bites from, from Ojuku, sound bites from Ebenezer Obey. Those things told me that you are a lot, you're very conscious about the Nigerian situation. The first song I loved on the album was Fuck a Politician, and then I graduated to Activate. And then you talk about a song like Agwe um, Ronsi is my shit because you started. The verse, the first verse with the Agin Rossi situation, drag, dragged through the mud where, where it was kid. So yeah. it shows that you are conscious about a lot of things. And like you said, your education was, was, was a priority when you were coming up. And tell me about your understanding of the Nigerian entity. And do you, do you, do you fuck with this country like that? Or what, what's the situation really? <laughs> I like that question. Do you fuck with Nigeria? <laughs> um, I think we are like I think we are victims of we are still by and large victims of colonization a lot of things that's, a lot of stuff that a lot of stuff that we are dealing with mm. is based on the bad decisions we made we are still I think dealing with bad decisions with us I think as, as in, in Nigeria as in Nigeria there is a lot of anger as well as in Nigeria you have a lot of anger for you um, because of a lot of times we don't know who to direct that anger. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was basically the that was like a part of the vibe of the album. It's just like a lot of unexpressed anger. A lot of because definitely we all know we should be in a better situation. We all know we have what it takes to be in a better situation. We all know we have the brain power to be in a better situation. We all know we have the mineral resources and but somehow, for some reason, the shit is not working out. So it's like being in being in Nigeria is very angry. It's like the intro of boy band now. Yeah. yeah, boy band is my shit. Boy band is my shit. I don't really like boy band. I don't know. I can't it's, lie. Come on, <laughs> boy band is my shit. You know what? The, the first time I heard the first time I heard the album, yeah, the moment I go to boy band. Yeah. I'm like, this is my shit. And I think you were hearing some kind of a sound. Yeah, I was, he- I was hearing a couple of things that were just in my mind. You know, first of all, I heard the Ghanaian, old Ghanaian high life beginnings. Yeah. Then it moved all the way down to reggaeton. And then, you know, you know, you're messing with so many sounds. And I'm the kind of guy that I, I, I mess with sounds. I mess with like music that has different kind of sounds. And I love yeah. the fact that you ended with now. Oh, yeah, this is one question that we have. We are not so sure. So what? Yeah, ask. I'm sure. So he says the soundbite at the end of boy band is Ebenezer Obi I, or, I, or Jim Rex Lawson. He is saying Jim Rex Lawson. Ebenezer. Of oh, course now. I really, I really <laughs> when people thought, hear my record, they will say ah. <laughs> I really thought. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't know if you know Rex Lawson a lot. If you have listened to a couple of his songs, the Ashawo Master. Mm. I wish I Ashawo. <laughs> It sounds exactly like that. You know, the whole thing about the band, he was very particular about his band and yeah, everything. So yeah. when I heard the voice, I just texted, I was like, this has to be Rex Lawson. And we said we we're going to ask. And I feel defeated, but still, I mean, great I, song. I, I feel like after after Boy Band, I need to give it up to you for what side. I don't know what you guys were thinking. What was the flow in the studio like? But damn, that's a tune. And Black Bones came through on the topic. Yeah. And it's the beat, man. It's the beat, and the funny thing is, we sampled the same person that we sampled in Boy Band on Waterside. Is this seventies wow. Afro rock group? Their name is The Funky. The Funky. You check them out. Waterside is The Funky. F U N 
J-E-E-S. Okay, I'll check them out. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Sorry. They, are, they are fucking unbelievable, man. Wow. They are fucking one. So we just sample them. Basically, like, I, I don't know, I haven't been able to find anybody to help me chop those samples like that. But if I have, but I find a producer who's willing to hmm. take a deep dive, I would like to check so many of those 70s songs. Man. Yeah, they, yeah, make something they, yeah, yeah, like, I mean, that's. I feel like we would be able to do that for you as I well. Mean, that's what we do. But he wants producers. We don't produce. Yeah, we can yeah. do the research. We, we can for, do the research for you. But well, let's talk a bit more. <laughs> yeah, give us names. Just send me names and we'll, we'll dig in. Yeah, soft. Um, I don't like the audio. The the way the audio is set up for us right now is messing up the 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 game. So I like to humbly ask that we might call you again, maybe in less than a few months, to do more because we have a lot, lot of questions. So we'll set up better. We'll probably come to Lagos. I'll find a way around that. But uh, before we wrap up, I need to talk about West African goats. You have a connection to West Africa because look at Afro skanking. The the soundbite that ended Afro skanking says, uh, uh, "What is it about West African? What's your favorite thing about West Africa?" And then the next song is, is Nana's interlude that says, "West African women." And all of that. So obviously. So I, I believe that was the genesis of West <laughs> West African goats, right? Um so let me let me explain it like this. Okay now. The biggest thing was the biggest thing was me trying to deal with myself. Mm. Because I've said it with the that my music is me trying to like deal with childhood issues. Yeah. He goes outside, yeah. Scope of work becomes bigger, yeah. Your views. Yeah. That's your trifecta. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So uh Yeah, I feel you, I feel you. I was on the uh We Talk Sound Clubhouse room and you just didn't want to talk about anything and I respect that. So definitely, I shouldn't even bother to ask about features. So let's let's let that go, right? Just <laughs> <laughs> no, don't just as long my whole thing is with the quality of the music. The features are not really that important as long as the quality of the music is up to standard. Okay, for like politics and shit. Yeah, yeah. The features are important, but as far as the quality of music is, I will, the features won't. The features are not important. It's it's like this thing, man. It's like. What the fuck do they call it? A conductor. Yeah. You, yeah, you make the best out of what you're working with. So that's what I'm always doing. Hmm. Soft. I hope we are going to be able to make happen another more, much more robust interview. But uh, do we have a date? If you guys can come around when, whenever I'm dropping the album, it can be like a long. Oh yeah, that would that would be soft. What are you listening to right now? Just to just to catch up on contemporary music. Man, what am I listening to? Honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. And this is going to be the most cliche answer ever. But what I'm listening to now is Nas and El Sweatshirt. 
not the new album, not Magic. No, Magic. Magic and Elsewhere Seth's new album. Oh, okay. I think it's called Sick. So, yeah. so you listen to a lot of foreign foreign stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You said, yeah, you already said, but... <laughs> that's but, cool. But I can't go without the story of Hush Puppy. That, that's crazy, man. Yeah, it's part, it's, part of our, it's part of our culture, whether we want to run from it. I mean, for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The society. Uh, the storytelling on that was was superb. And then, of course, the other single, uh, "Downfall to the Head." You you always yeah. you always come out vulnerable. You don't care. Do you think you're oversharing sometimes? Nah. <laughs> Do I think I'm oversharing? I think. Do I think I'm oversharing? Nah. That's that's. That's a very very, very very good. That's a very good question. The answer is, I think the way my brain is built up, I think I probably have way bigger demons than what I'm sharing. So it still doesn't feel like over there. Mm. So you just have to live. I just have to live, bro. <laughs> Yo, I respect I just you. Have to. Thank you for your time. You are definitely doing one more. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you for your time. Yeah, please. If, if you guys can come to Lagos during the launch, oh, I would like to do like a whole sit down type thing. We'll bring cameras. Yeah, like we'll a good yeah, for real, we'll bring cameras, we'll bring everything, man. This has been good, this was solid. Yeah, and also, I just want to chip this in because, you know, Boyga was going all, all, all he's, the, he's the big fan in the room. He's the big fan, I'm just the other guy. Lupita. But Lupita, yeah. exactly. Lupita, Yo. I just wanted to just let you know, Lupita is also a gem. Mad. Gem, a very great song. You know, best of if the best of the stop, side. you keep going because money <laughs> in all my pockets no, 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 is another stop. solid jam. So let's, let's just stop. Let's just stop. But I just need to let you know, you know, I don't know what happened in Lupita's process, but that was great music. And thank you so much. Really appreciate your payback yeah shout out to your folks too thank you for your time we'll, we'll stay in touch the sample axis administered by Boyga Nelson yeah let me try that the sample axis administered by Boyga Nelson yeah let me try that Hey everyone, thank you again for joining the Sample Axis podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about samples. My name is Buiga and Nelson is here. Yeah, Nelson, the main man. You know what it is? It's episode 51. I know we did something special with episode 50, you know, where we did something amazingly great. But this time uh, we're doing something more special because we have with us today uh, on the podcast the West African GOAT. Yes, when I mean the West African GOAT, we're talking about payback, Iboro. But, you know, I don't want to talk too much. I want to be chilled and relaxed because yeah. we're about to have a conversation. Yes, indeed. Uh, payback is special to the culture in very many ways and people will find out in this interview hopefully those who don't know yet will find find out and uh, you know uh just for a background uh, for those who don't know payback has been in the game for well over 10 years very notable projects that i know of i know he has dropped close to 10 projects but i'm very familiar with only about three of them we'll get into all of that but let's welcome payback to the interview thank you for joining us payback thank you for having me man what happened on episode 50 Okay, so we did uh, 50 special songs. The way the podcast is set up, we talk about songs that were sampled. Nigerian songs, for instance, they sample a lot from okay. yesteryears. So we touch on those songs. So we took a break from sampling and we talked about some 50 special songs across the world. So we had some Nigerian songs. We also had some, you know, when you talk 
the 50 special songs that come to mind, you will talk about people like Michael Jackson, obviously, uh, from Nigeria. Okay. We had uh, this man, uh, Majek Fashek. The, the biggest people that you know okay. who make music across the world, dead or alive, we picked 50. So I will send you okay, that link okay. when we're done. Just to begin, right. who are your top five greatest artists of the world, for instance, of all time? Artists. Did you say artists? Yeah, artists generally. Musicians. Yeah, musicians. Okay. Top five. Top five. This is a no... No standard. You pick the standard. Yeah, no order. That's what I'm saying. No particular order. But I have to say... I'll say... This is hard as fuck, though. But I'll say... Kendrick, Kanye, Beatles... Did you say Detroit? Oh, no, Beatles, Beatles, the Beatles, yeah. Okay. Beatles, okay. Beatles, yeah. yeah. Devs, Devs, Devs. Kendrick, Kanye, Beatles. I don't. The last two spots are is a toss up between Stella, Bob Marley, and. Oh yeah. I think probably Michael. Fair deal. Why is there no women? Yeah. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> is that you put them on the spot? Of course. There's no way you could have planned that, but yeah. Because uh, there have to be a woman. No, yeah. no, no. But there of course, have to be of, course a woman. of course, yeah. We just, you know, we feel you. We think top five, yeah. you know, like. And the rap bias is there. Of right. course, of course, the rap bias has to be there now. Yeah, I feel you. Definitely. So let's get to it. Uh, yeah. would like to know about your background. So I was listening to the Cult album, and you talk about uh, there's this song that I really love. I can't really remember the title, but you, uh, Niger Delta boy, Lagos City boy, West African boy. So you represent those cultures heavily. I'd like to know yeah. what it was like for you growing up. I, I know you grew up in Lagos, but you're also Niger Delta. So tell me how you connect your childhood to who you are right now. I I was born in Lagos, like the early 90s. But my folks are from Aquaibon. But my father was like, I think he was very insistent on how good our English was. Mm. How good, basically how good our education was. But I think it filtered into our English a lot. And so I wasn't, I wasn't opportune to be on my language a lot as I was a kid. Okay. A lot of me, I didn't find that the Niger Delta person is tough. I like the first I did on my own and me looking up by myself trying to learn little things about the culture. But mm. well, mostly I'm I'm Lagos I mean, boy. most people would see me more as a Lagos boy, yeah. Yeah. What's that like? Uh, what particular area of Lagos is it Festac, is it and what what was it about growing up in that part? I grew up in like four places in Lagos. I grew up in Festac, Satellite, Okota and Ejibo, not Ejibo, but it's around the Ejibo side. This place is called Bokna. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like it wasn't like one place. It was like a whole set of places. Is it this? I think we started out, when I started out, when I was born, my father had a lot of money. And then before I got to like my, when I was like seven or eight, everything kind of cut down. So it was like we moved from the highbrow areas to the more, progressively more ghetto areas. I've been shaped by, I think, all the different classes in we have in Lagos. You have lived all the different kind of lives in Lagos. So basically, you're like a full-blown Lagos boy. Yeah. Now, I saw somewhere that you started rapping from age six. Now, I don't, I, I, I need you to confirm that for me, really. Because <laughs> Where did you see that? And I saw yeah. it on one of those blogs. Let me put blogs so that I cover their name up. Okay. And, and they wrote that uh, <laughs> the payback started rapping from age six. And I'm like, whoa. First and foremost, you need to confirm that yes or yes. <laughs> I was introduced to rap at six. Age six? Yeah, I was introduced. When I started writing by myself, it was probably like 2003, 2004. 
Oh, wow. That's the first time I think I've ever started out my little rhyme. But I was introduced to rapping at it. My sister had this little Walkman she used to use to like, she used to write down the lyrics to the song. Like, she would play a line, write it down, rewind it to make sure it's correct, then listen to the next one. And I was very intrigued by what she was doing that day. I just started with her for like an afternoon. Was it was like a it was like my boot camp, so to speak. And since then I kind of just really liked it. But I never thought about writing to like 2003 or 2004. I think it's 2004. Oh, all right. So yeah. basically, what you were doing most of the time before 2004 was listening and learning one way or the other. Yeah, and I think a lot of artists have this same thing. Is a lot of times as kids you find yourself fucking with other people's lyrics. Yeah, yeah. Like tweaking it a little bit. Yeah. So that I think from age six to age thirteen, fourteen, that's what I was doing. Oh, Just talking right. around with people stuff and stuff. Yeah. All right, great. So um still on that line, you know, being on the fact that you you said you started listening from age six all the way to like thirteen before you started putting pen to paper. Um, let's talk about your music um influences. When we're talking about music influences, we know I mean, if, if I'm, I'm trying to just, you know, pick your brain right now and go back to, like, 97, if I'm going to take a wild guess, I'll be saying people like, you know, Warren mm. G or, you know, Naughty by Nature, maybe Black Street, maybe, and a couple of, you know, the, the big guys then, like Puff Daddy and his team, that's them bad boys. So just tell us a little bit about your music influences uh, from 6 to 13 and 13 to this point. Six to thirteen. You have to you have to remember six year old in Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. State, like, yeah, that's why I said like not yeah, so much. It. Just all the way down. You know, I'm sure you remember one or two that you yeah. really liked listening to a lot. No, of course, of course. Because what I, I just wanted to point out that like a six year old child in Lagos is not largely in control of the music he listens to. Yeah, true. Especially in the nineties, yeah. I was mostly listening to what my sister was listening to. Luckily for me, I had a sister who liked rap. Like rap, sorry. So, like, in the midst of all the Westlife and the Backstreet Boys and the Shannon Dion and all the, like, the pop stuff of the 90s, he used to make this play, like, Tupac. The Tupac and Biggie were really, like, the biggest ones. Then Nas Day. Then there was the one or two Naughty by Nature songs. There was, then I think towards the end of the 90s, when I went down, Having people like DMX, um, Eminem, I guess, Jay-Z, Nas. It's, I think, mostly until I really started listening to music for myself as, like, a teenager. I was exposed more to, I mean, anything you could, things you could see. I just, I was more attentive. So, the one song, I would watch it, like, I'd be over the song with, like, a microscope. That's just the main, I think, I've, I have, like, an obsessive, kind of character so it's not like i was listening to a vastly different type of music than what every other person was listening to yeah so because of how obsessed i get so i was yeah because of how obsessed i get i started almost like breaking every single song every single video every single rap every single thing that i had i remember when i remember listening to this song i don't know if you remember it um drew hill and jaru yeah drew and jaru what's the what's the name of that song again um Oh. oh my everything. Yeah, yeah. Man, Cisco man. Cisco took the, the chorus, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, I can't, yeah. 
Like that song is lost in the fog of my childhood. But oh no, that's OG. That's OG status. Jaru, OG status. Yeah, hitting yeah, there. It's lost. It's lost in the fog of my childhood. But whenever I remember, I remember like it's like I don't know. Like I remember that Jaru very much. I remember the hypnotized video. I remember. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Then that's I think JT money. I remember a couple of things from my childhood. But yeah, basically, I think the the most influential music from that time will have to be Biggie and Pac. Mm. Late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, late nineties, early two thousands is most likely Eminem. Mm. Eminem, Nas, Akon. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> is it Akon? Are you, are you, did you did you mess with Akon at all? Like, did you like his sound? Was it somebody you you Akon. know you enjoyed listening to? Akon was later though. Akon yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Akon, Akon was like me. Mid 2000s, yeah, like 05, 05, 06, yeah, on that era, yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, you, exactly. you sound a lot like you, you really listen to more, I don't know if this is right, more American music because you connect so much to it from your interviews that I've seen and from the way you talk. Were you listening to Nigerian shit that around those times? No, I wasn't at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, there was no, there was yeah, no, like, I wasn't. I didn't. For, for example, now I know that um, the early 2000s, we had people like uh, Tribesmen, you know, they were trying to bring in the rap yeah. theme. Did you did you ever get to mess with any of that? I remember there was a time where, you know, the Tribe, where they had, you know, Two Shots, yeah. uh, Dr. C. Yeah, like nine people, yeah. Yeah, and everybody was going hard on hard on yeah. bars like that. And yeah, I think uh, you have to first go back to like... Um, Plantation Boys. I don't think it's possible to have escaped Plantation Boys. Yeah, true, true. I'm just, I'm trying to stick to the yeah. rap thing so we don't, you know, digress too much from the rap rap yeah, guys. Nah, this guy was a rapper now. What did, what did he call him? Blackface. What do you call this fucking guy? Blackface. Blackface, yeah. yeah. All of all of it is in, all of it to me is in the same pot. Oh, all yeah. in the same pot. And I did listen to my drum music. It's just, like I said, I didn't have, I wasn't in control of what I listened to. Let's just push it forward and talk about what it is today and i'm just going to segue into hip-hop nigerian hip-hop right now and what you are about you seem very not seem you are very passionate about nigerian hip-hop i see it in your tweets of course the music talks about it what what's your deal yeah. what's your what's your agreement or what's the unofficial agreement you you have with surviving or reviving nigerian hip-hop or at least creating a new maybe a new culture just to have something that we can call in 10, 20 years time, original Nigerian hip hop. I think that's basically wrapped it up in a tight boom. And that's really what I want to do. I just want to add like a new, a new thread to the fabric of what is possible for a Nigerian artist as a whole. And then as a Nigerian hip hop artist, mm. I'm trying to, as um, you see, I, I experiment a lot with a lot of different types of things. Yeah. I'm trying to, Find a way to still, a way to find to create something new, still have fun, while still being under the umbrella that I found myself under. Yeah. So let's talk about your bodies of work. Yeah. Uh, the one I'm familiar with, uh, the earliest is the biggest tree, which is my new yeah. found. You know, one of the things I've been yeah. listening to lately, preparing for this mm-hmm. interview, and generally just trying yeah. to catch up. Uh, Bush Bungalow, yeah. uh, help me. Uh, songs yeah. like uh, yeah. the month end song, Kenara yeah. to my name. Again, you yeah. talk about money a lot, but let's talk about your projects and what you aim to. <laughs> 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 I mean, money in all my pockets. I'll get to courts in a bit, but 
the biggest tree yeah. this was 20 i don't know what year exactly but what space were you in at that time what was it meant to do what does it represent in your bodies of work as an album or as a project okay so i put out i put out the album the biggest thing february 2018 okay i put out the first single for the album in january 2017 okay and i think i've probably been been working on it like the earliest beat i had the beat to help me i got 2013 probably like five years for the album 2013. oh five years i couldn't remember it when i said you know it very like an example of a haunting ghost text. Yeah. So I couldn't maneuver it when I first heard it. I just kind of left it with other stuff. Yeah. So but like the headspace is like is like how do I explain it? Look look at songs like yeah. a song about suicide uh yeah. demons. This you always talk about demons and I, I don't know, does that connect in any way yeah. to what you were feeling at the time? Yeah that's that's what I was going to. I was going through a period of like a depression, I would say. Yeah. A dark period of depression. And then um, from like that 2013 to like 2019 was, there was a lot of, I think, that struggle or strife. Hmm. It's the way I would say it. And I was very suicidal at that point. Hmm. Yeah. And so the challenge was to want to make one body of work at least before. Anything happens, fight, check out, or whatever. To make one the body of work that would be solid and um, represent your thoughts. That would be solid, represent, yeah. But two was also to make sure it wasn't too sad. Yeah. Because, like, the album is a very depressed album, but a lot of the songs sound hyped. Like mountain songs. Yeah, they sound a little bit, yeah. Almost like that theme of the dog in the house, like the burning house. Mm. The dog is. That's my that was my ideology was and at that point in time nobody was really talking about like depression or anything like that. Yeah. So I was like the biggest is supposed to be like a beacon or like it's like a challenge to myself, I think. Mm. To be as big as I can possibly be with the little that the small little life that I I believe that I had at that point in time was to create something that was much bigger than myself. Mm. So at least even if I had to do well, no, it would be like I at least represented something. I represented hope, I think. That's why the song ends the best day of my life. Yeah, featuring Bella. Yeah, yeah basically trying to seek positivity into... You said something about, you know, dropping one big one and before... hoping that check out, maybe. Check out, but like hoping for the best and all. Now, um, do you feel like any which ways the, the biggest tree helped you to, you know, gave you some sort of positivity... Like after the the album dropped, you could feel like yeah you expressed you yourself. You was there was there a difference in like your in your thoughts and moving forward? Because I want to get I'm about to get into the classic and I and I want us to be on a you know hyped mode getting into that. I think it was more like therapy. Yeah. Because a lot of times you don't really understand completely what's happening to you unless you're able to talk it out. For real. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes, yeah, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. perfect sense. You were talking to the music. Yeah, so, yeah, I was talking through the music to myself, and in a way, it, it's like it helped me play the, cob, the cobwebs. And, yeah. Yeah. I could, yeah. I how, to, how are you feeling five years after that? 2018 is four years. How did you, how did life come? 2019, 2020, and all of that. I like to guess that it felt better, and you were in a much better position, obviously. 
uh, it's always it's always a good decision to face your fears. Your demons. Yeah. It's always a good it's always the better decision to face your demons and to run from them. So I think after that, uh you and Boogie went in on alternate ending. I want to be sure this was twenty nineteen, right? Yeah, that was I put out an EP with Charlie in late 2018, but then the next big project was Alternate Ending. Uh, talk, please talk briefly about that EP. I don't know about it. Just just give us a mention on what it was. Okay, it's, it's called Autopilot. Okay. It's under Payback and Charlie X. Okay, yeah, Charlie yeah, X. It was, yeah, it was like, I think after the biggest thing, it was like, kind of play. The listen to it is very carefree. Sounds very, very carefree. Playful, yeah. It's almost like, yeah, it's almost like what I was trying to achieve. I think mm. what I was trying to, yeah. The EP itself is, is more carefree. Mm. There's less of a theme as structure, and it was just about having fun. So alternate ending. Just before we get to that, I I like to know how you connect to the people that you connect to. So in your circle. I know a few of your favorite people to work with. I'd like to believe Boogie and 30 are two of those. And then generally, yeah. you are involved with a lot of people, Black Intelligence, uh, Charlie X, like you mentioned, um, Bella. There is a lady, Vivian, on, on, on the cult album. There is... Oh, yeah. I'm sure you and Black Bones have done one or two together. Uh, the, the song, What's Aside... Uh yeah, yeah, barely any hook. The people that you work with and that are in your circle, Alpha or Genie, how do you guys connect? Is it like mutual friends connecting each other or who are your what's your small circle looking like? I think most times when I've ever worked with anybody usually just based on respect for the craft. Mm. Yeah. It has to be something I couldn't have brought by myself. Yeah. Mm, fresh. So does that mean People you are not working with are not exactly, I don't know, I don't know how to break this down, but look at the mainstream Nigerian music. Do you try to reach out? Is it like you don't find people on your wavelength in those circles or is it business related? I think as far as collaborations with mainstream Nigerian industry, it's more business and political than anything. Yeah, facts. Yeah. Facts. So let's talk about uh, alternate ending boogie, uh, and then I, I've forgotten the name of the producer who did the most on that. Is that Black Intelligence or what was it like putting that together? That's a heavy album, and and that stands up right there yeah. when it comes to Nigerian hip hop classic albums, if I do yeah. say so. Uh, boogie went in, you went in as well. I think my favorite would be Hard to Kill. Yeah, that's a sick yeah. song. Uh, yeah, I love that. I love that shit. Man. I love it. I love that's it so dope. Tell me your perception of the album after it's done and, you know, the work that you put in. How do you praise yourself doing some legendary thing like that? Okay, so first of all, the producers that worked on it are Paliette, Sizu Pro, and Black Intelligence. Okay. David. So it was like, it was almost like, it was like a school project sort of. Mm. They were like, they bounced ideas off each other. A lot of times the songs came with ideas already. I like to say me and Boogie, we played like the in the creation of the project. All we had to do was just like that. The engineers had to really create like the whole soundscape, the whole world, the whole... Charlie did a lot of this skits and like the whole idea, it wasn't like just me and Boogie just rapping and being bad guys or whatever. It was like a, like a class project basically. 
it wasn't just in fact it was it's almost like um I was kind of opportune to be in the moment. It wasn't anything I can take credit for. Solid. So it's a it's a collaborative effort from not just one yeah, or two people. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. All six of us. So let's talk about cults now. Uh, this is like the elephant in the room. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Nelson, by the way, we were recording one of those episodes and I was telling Nelson that the cult album should be made into some kind of NFT, yeah. cult, cultural NFT, and be kept in the Nigerian Museum because of what it represents. So yeah. uh, I would let him uh, ask whatever question he has before I go in. All right, yeah. Um, like he said... I didn't know about the cult album before that time. Yeah. So he said we had yeah. to create an NFT for this. Like it was that good. And I was like, ah, what is it? What's, what is it about this album? And I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to start my research properly and I'm going to listen to this album. And I have to tell you, great album. Like really, when I mean great album, I mean up there, you know, you. best of Thank the best. You. No, no cappings, not, is that good? And well, the very first, I picked my foot in the album. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you did, you did. And I was telling him something that he doesn't agree completely with. And I feel like you might help us in this uh, position because this is more or less like a, a question and at the same time a conversation. A conversation. So I said I felt okay. like um, Cult was not just a rap album. I felt like it was a cultural album. Uh, it was an album that yeah. showed how more much how much you are as a person. Like. Apart from being a rap artist, you know, you said something in one of your interviews. I don't know whether you remember the one with Bazzini in um, 2020, like did in me 2020, where you're talking yeah. about um, artists like Drake, you know, being in different forms. And you were saying that you yeah. enjoyed that kind of thing. And I said, I told him, this yeah. particular album shows payback in, it, in different forms. Like you were everybody in that album. You were Drake, you were Nas, yeah. you were B.I.G. And... I felt like, you know, you were not just, that was not, it's not, a, I don't think you should be put in like rap album. No, it should be sort of like album of the year space. So I need you to, I need you to explain. Yeah. Is it, do you feel like it was just a rap album or you're trying to show yourself musically? I have a, like most of what I listen to isn't like just rap. I listen to a whole lot of things. I listen to like, like I said, Beatles are like one of my favorite acts ever. The, the titling. So we talk about songs like Nigerian Dream with the Cardi B sample. Um, talk about sound bites from from Ojuku, sound bites from Ebenezer Obe. Those things told me that you are a lot. You're very conscious about the Nigerian situation. The first song I loved on the album was "Fuck a Politician," and then I graduated to "Activate." And then you talk about a song like "Aguin Run Sees My Shit" because you started. The verse, the first verse with the Agin Rossi situation, drag, drag to, to the mud where, where it was kid. So yeah. it shows that you are conscious about a lot of things. And like you said, your education was, was, was a priority when you were coming up. And tell me about your understanding of the Nigerian entity. And do, do you, do you, do you fuck with this country like that? Or what, what's the situation really? <laughs> I like that question. Do you fuck with Nigeria? <laughs> um, I think we are like I think we are victims of we are still by and large victims of colonization a lot of things a lot of stuff that a lot of stuff that we are dealing with mm. is based on the bad decisions we made we are still I think dealing with bad decisions we've had I think as, as in, in Nigeria 
As a Nigerian, there's a lot of anger. As well as a Nigerian youth, you have a lot of anger. For real. Um, because of, a lot of times, we don't know who to direct that anger. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that was basically the, that was like a part of the vibe of the album. It's just like a lot of unexpressed anger. A lot of, because definitely we all know we should be in a better situation. We all know we have what it takes to be in a better situation. We all know we have the brain power to be in a better situation. We all know we have the linear resources. But somehow, for some reason, the shit is not working out. So it's like, being in, being in Nigeria is very angry. It's like the intro of boy band now. Yeah. yeah, boy band is my shit. Boy band is my shit. I don't really like boy band. I don't know. I can't it's, lie. Come on, <laughs> boy band is my shit. You know what? The, the first time I heard, the first time I heard the album, yeah, the moment I go to boy band, yeah. I'm like, this is my shit. And I think you were hearing some kind of a sound. Yeah, I was. Hear, I was hearing a couple of things that were just in my mind. You know, first of all, I heard the Ghanaian old Ghanaian high life beginnings. Yeah. Then it moved all the way down to reggaeton. And then you now you know you are messing with so many sounds, and I'm the kind of guy that I, I I mess with sounds. I mess with like music that has different kind of sounds, and I love yeah. the fact that you end it with now. Oh yeah, this is one question that we have. We are not so sure. So what? Yeah, I'm sure. So he says the soundbite at the end of boy band is Ebenezer Obi or, or Jim Rex Lawson. He is saying Jim Rex Lawson. Of course oh, now. I really, I really <laughs> when people hear my record, they will say ah. <laughs> I really thought I don't know. I don't know if I don't know if you know Rex Lawson a lot. If you have listened to a couple of his songs, the Ashawo Master. Mm. I wish I Ashawo. He sounds exactly like that. You know the whole thing about the band. He was very particular about his band and yeah, everything. So yeah. when I heard the voice, I just texted. I was like, "This has to be Rex Lawson." And we said we're going to ask, and I feel defeated, but still, I mean, great I, song. I, I feel, feel like after after boy band, I need to give it up to you for what side. I don't know what you guys were thinking. What was the flow in the studio like? But damn, that's a tune. And Black Bones came through on the topic. Yeah. Is the beat is the beat and the funny thing is we sampled the same person that we sampled in boy band on what I said is this seventies Afro rock group. Their name is the Funkies. The Funkies. You check them out after this. The Funkies. F U N K E E S. Okay, I will check them out. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Sorry. They are fucking unbelievable, man. They are fucking one. So we just sample them. Basically, like, I don't know. I haven't been able to find anybody to help me chop those samples like that. But if I have, but I find a producer who's willing to hmm. take a deep dive, I would like to check so many of those 70 songs. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. make something yeah, yeah, like, I mean, that's, I feel like we would be able to do that for you as I well. Mean, that's what we do. But he wants producers. We don't produce. Yeah, we can yeah. do the research. We, we can for, do the research for you. But well, let's talk a bit more. <laughs> Yeah, give us names. Just send me names and we'll, we'll dig in. Yeah, soft. Um, I don't like the audio. The, the way the audio is set up for us right now is messing up the, the, the game. So I'd like to humbly ask that we might call you again, maybe in less than a few months to do more because we have a lot, lot of questions. So we'll set up better. We'll probably come to Lagos. I'll find a way around that. But uh, before we wrap up, I need to talk about West African goats. You have a connection to West Africa because look at Afro Skanking. The the soundbite that ended Afro Skanking says, uh, uh, "What is it about West African? What's your favorite thing about West Africa?" And then the next song is, is Nana's interlude that says, "West African women 
and all of that. So obviously, so <laughs> I, I believe that was the genesis of West <laughs> West African goats, right? Um. Okay, now. The biggest fear was, the biggest fear was me trying to deal with myself. Mm. Because I've said it with that my music is me trying to like deal with childhood insecurities. Yeah. So the biggest fear was me trying to deal with myself. Fourth mm. was me trying to deal with my surroundings. Like, mm. okay, I've got to the demons inside me. Let me come outside and see what's happening. See what's outside, yeah. Take it one knot higher. Your scope of work becomes bigger. Yeah. Your views. That's your trifecta. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I feel you. I feel you. I was on the uh, We Talk Sound Clubhouse room and you just didn't want to talk about anything and I respect that. So definitely, I shouldn't even bother to ask about features. So let's let's let that go, right? Just <laughs> don't, <laughs> just, as long as my whole thing is with the quality of the music, the features are not really that important. As long as the quality of the music is up to standard, okay, for like politics and shit. Yeah, yeah. The, Features are important, but as far as the quality of music is, the features won't. The features are not important. It's it's like this thing, man. It's like what the fuck do they call it? A conductor. Yeah. You, yeah. You make the best out of what you're working with. So that's what I'm always doing. Hmm. Soft. I hope we are going to be able to make happen another more, much more robust interview. But uh, do we have a date? If you guys can come around when, whenever I'm dropping the album, it can be like a long. Oh yeah, that would that would be soft. What are you listening to right now, just to just to catch up on contemporary music? Man, what am I listening to? Honestly, I'm not going to lie to you. And this is going to be the most cliche answer ever. But what I'm listening to now is Nas and El Not the new album, not Magic. No Magic, Magic and El new album. Oh, okay. I think it's called Sick. So yeah. Soft. You listen to a lot of foreign foreign stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You said, yeah, you said, but <laughs> that's cool. But I can't go without the story of Hush Puppy. That that's crazy, man. I mean, for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The society. Uh, the storytelling on that was was superb. And then, of course, the other single. Uh, downfall to the head is you always yeah. you always come out vulnerable you don't care do you think you're oversharing sometimes nah <laughs> do I think I'm oversharing I think do I think I'm oversharing nah that's that's, that's a very very, very good that's a very good question the answer is I think the way my brain is built up I think I probably have way bigger demons than what I'm sharing. So it still doesn't feel like over mm. So you just have to live. I just have to live, bro. <laughs> Yo, I respect I just you. Have to. 
Thank you for your time. You are definitely doing one more. Yeah. Definitely. Thank you for your time. Yeah. Please, if, if you guys can come to Lagos during the launch, oh, I would like to do like a whole sit down type thing. We'll bring cameras. Yeah, like we'll bring cameras. yeah, for real. We'll bring cameras. We'll bring everything, man. This has been good. This was solid. Yeah, and also I just want to chip this in because you know, Boyga was going all all. He's the he's the big fan in the room. He's the big fan. I'm just the other guy. Lupita. But Lupita, yeah. exactly. Lupita. Yo. I just wanted to just let you know, Lupita is also a gem. Mad. Gem. A very great song. You know, best of if the best you don't of the stop, side. We'll keep going because money <laughs> in all my pockets no, 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 is another stop. solid jam. So let's, let's just stop. Let's just stop. But I just need to let you know. You know, I don't know what happened in Lupita's process, but that was great music and thank you so much. Really appreciate. Your payback. Yeah, shout out to your folks too. Thank you for your time. We'll, we'll stay in touch. The sample axis administered by Boyega and Nelson. Yeah, let me try that. <laughs>